friends and welcome to another edition of dan and benny in the ring i'm dan spashano joined as always by the bs express himself benny scala benny how you doing buddy dan quite excited i think this is going to be one of our better shows oh absolutely we always love the good discussions and nothing beats a round table especially with as hot as these topics are but before we get to that benny why don't you tell everybody who's joining us tonight for this this hot topic absolutely well tonight we welcome back our very esteemed debate panel the Professor's Emeriti of professional wrestling, if you will, or even if you won't. Uh, first, the author of the magnificent book, When It Was Real, Nikita Brezhnikov, as well as the associate producer of The Wrestler and 350 Days, and newly appointed senior editor of Pro Wrestling Stories, Mr. Evan Ginsberg. The book and the movies, now everybody listen, if you want to get your degree, advanced degree in professional wrestling history, both the, the movies and the book are a required part of the syllabus. Is it syllabus or syllabus? I always get that one wrong. I think oh. it's syllabus, right? Yes, sir. But in any event, I'd like to welcome uh, Evan and Nikita to uh, Dan and Benny in the Ring. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Now we've had you we've had you guys on before, and we've always had great roundtables. It's usually a what if topic, but this time we're going to focus on some real news. And we wanted your guys' perspective because you both have such a unique view and and experience in the history, and it's been the hottest topic really in the wrestling circuit the last few weeks is the announcement, which by the way they just announced the other day is now a sold out show. Ric Flair having his come out of retirement final goodbye match however you want to word it at the crockett special uh special promotion so benny we got these we got these two experts on wrestling history you mentioned the books you mentioned the movies so where do what where do we go what uh, i'll give the first uh first question first thought to you what are we doing here i i guess my first question to both gentlemen is why do you think Ric Flair is doing this? He really has nothing left to prove on a on a professional level. I and mean, I was chatting with my son Dan about it. He said, I think Ric Flair would be happy if he died in the ring. So is he doing it for a payday or is he doing it because he just can't let go? Or, or is it a combination of both? I never followed Flair because I didn't have access to him. So I've never seen one Ric Flair match. So you can throw fruit at me or garbage, whatever, but I don't care. Because he could, Bruno would break him in six pieces. But to elaborate on what he's doing, I give him credit. I think it's great. I did a little research before we went on the air. Now, I saw Buddy Rogers in 1982 with the Spectrum. He was 61. And then the next year, live in Baltimore. And so he was 62 that year. And then Arnold Skolan was in his 60s, because you know Arnie was always filling in for and then Buddy Rogers after he got hurt. Nikolai wrestled in his late 60s. So Ric Flair is going to be the probably the oldest living wrestler. <laughs> I guess it's a double F. But the oldest living wrestler ever to compete. So I give him credit. If he's crazy enough to do it, and I think he's crazy, because... You just don't heal. Hey, look, when you hit 40, everything goes to hell in your body. 
and you never feel like you did before. But hey, good luck to it, man. I, I think the guy's got big balls. Go for it. Evan, what do you think? Well, um, Jimmy Valiant just wrestled at 79. Mm. Lomascaris still wrestles regularly in six-man tags, and he's well past Flair's age. Um, so ultimately, what you're getting is an exhibition. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. You're getting an appearance. You're not getting a match. It'll be it'll be a six man match most likely. Um, he'll come in. He'll do the woo. He'll uh, put the guy in the figure four leg lock. Um, you know, I, I doubt he'll do the spot in the corner where he flings himself like Ray Stevens uh, upside down into the corner. I doubt he'll do that. He'll do like his trademark spots and he'll put in three minutes and. The other guys will all protect them and sell for them. And basically, you're getting an appearance, just like when No Mascaris comes out and the other five guys do 90% of the work. And he puts his two or three minutes in, and everybody sells, you know, like he's a holy figure. And that's basically it. It's, uh, it's an appearance. Whether or not he needs the money, I don't know. Um, you know. Um, Personally, the greatest match I ever saw live was Flair and Steamboat. One of the top 10 matches I ever saw was Flair and Barry Windham. I'd go see him every month in Philly with the NWA, and the guy was magnif magnificent. I mean, he was absolutely incredible in his prime as NWA champion in the 80s. And yeah, I, I don't really need to see him at, at 73 as a shell of himself. It's nothing that I want to see or need to see or plan to see. And, um, you know, my gut instinct is he needs to be in the ring. He just needs to be in the ring. He's, he's not getting a million-dollar payday or whatnot. He, uh, you know, he needs the attention. This is what he knows. This is his identity. This is everything to him. And, um, you know, part of it is sad and part of it is you know the guy wants his one last bit of glory and god bless him you just hope he doesn't get hurt well i, I could understand that he let me ask you 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 obviously benny talked about the title of the book it, it, your your book is fitting being mentioning real one of the marketing techniques for this and, and i think it helped with the sellout is they marketed this as a real match rick flair is going to have a real match not saying real in the sense of of he's going to go in and, and legit fight somebody but they said it's a legit wrestling match but everything evan just described is exactly what fans going into this expect a multi-man match rick flair's in the ring if it's more than five minutes i'm shocked two three minutes tops i would assume so uh, I was going to ask you your thoughts on that. Is, is it marketable as saying, hey, Ric Flair is having a wrestling match? And, or do you risk, uh, you know, marketing something and then people go expecting a Ric Flair match and he's tags in once for a minute or two and in, in a well, however long this match is? They said it was going to be real. Well, they're, they're crazy because there's nobody on the planet that would believe it. They didn't believe it when we believed it. And they sure as hell don't believe it now. 
But okay, I'm going to equate this. Been at many, many cons and autograph shows, and the old ladies who at one time were bombshells, people still flock to them. They want to be up close to them. They want to touch them. And it's like you see them as you remember them. And I think this is what we're getting with Flair. People want to see Ric Flair. They want to believe that he's going to go in there and clean house. That's great. To get through the damn shit of the day, if that's what does it, it's legal. Great. Enjoy it. I think it's wonderful. The guy... Yeah, I guess he's got the ego. We all do. We wouldn't do this shit if we didn't have a friggin' ego. I mean, nobody's getting rich, but we love it. We love to be seen. I mean, you know, I think Ernest Borgnine said it best when he got out of the service. He said he didn't know what to do with his wife, his life. And his mother said, you always like making a damn fool of yourself, be an actor. And he's like, you're right. And it's perfect. Look at me, all those years acting like a Russian. And it's like, hey, it's great. You love it. People today, they don't want to hear it because of Ukraine. It's like, no, dummies. Russia supported United States in World War II. That's a different Russia altogether. This guy, Putin, he, he don't even have the right flag. He's a goof. So it's like, <laughs> go enjoy it. Love it. Please, nobody get hurt. They'll take care of Flair. You know that. I mean, whoever he's going in there, what's going to sell like they never sold before. And they're going to love it. Hey, look, Evan, you've been on the indie circuit. We would see guys and the promoters would die a thousand deaths. If you squeeze two minutes out of a lot of them, you got a good show. Except Nikolai Volkov, he could go 15, 20 minutes, whatever you needed. But most of those guys, and they weren't no 70, they go in there, blah, 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 do their shit, and they're gone. Boom. It's like people sit there like, what the hell did I pay that money for? But you get to interact with them before and after the show. So it smooths everything over, but nobody's going to go in there and burn the house down. Ain't going to happen. Greg Valentine is 73 and he's, he, he's doing a lot more autographs than wrestling. But as of a few years ago, he was still pretty active on the indie circuit. And, um, these guys will go till they can't go anymore. And, um, Flair is going to do the chop, and they'll sell like they were hit with a uh, nuclear bomb. And, uh, you know, you kind of I, – I, it's like I've seen the match already because you know what the guy's capable of at that age and what he's not capable of. He's not capable of doing a one-hour Broadway like he used to do with Magnum or Ricky Steamboat or whomever. It's just, you know, it's a six-man match. He'll do his, he'll do his spots. The fans will mark out or be nostalgia. It's like seeing an oldies act and you don't hear the voices cracking. Benny will tell you, you're hearing the old records, you know? <laughs> well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did want to use a musical example. I, I uh, in 1969, saw Gary Puckett in the Union Gap at the Westbury Music Fair. Now, in 1968, I believe, Gary, Gary Puckett sold more records than the Beatles. I saw him at a home show in Tampa in 2012 and he said well i'm still i'm still appearing i saw him at the capitol theater in clearwater about six months later early 2013 so 44 years later now instead of seeing a 27 year old gary puckett i'm seeing a 71 year old gary puckett and i expected to hear what i heard at, at westbury in 1969 now i was terribly disappointed i mean although he still had a decent voice 
it was not the it, it almost sounded like a different person. So I, I'm I'm wondering if anybody's gonna have that kind of expectation uh with Flair and they're gonna leave disappointed for the same reason. Sure. They'll do the, they'll do the chops and uh, the fans will chant, you still got it because they're seeing what they want to see. You know, look, whatever it is, it is, he'll do his best, he'll be happy to get in the ring, he'll get a payday, the fans will He'll be nostalgic for the most part. You know, it, it is what it is. It's uh, it's not going to be prime, you know, 1980s NWA champion flair. It's just not. And all the internet people, oh, they'll have something to talk about for weeks to come. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> and there'll be those that say it was this, that was shit. Some will say it was great. That's like, hey, that's the nature of it all, right? Well, let me let me just throw this in um, as somebody who actually saw him live month after month, dozens and dozens of times. You know, he was as great as anybody in his prime. So for the fanboys to do the, oh, he just had the same match night after night. It, it's absolute bullshit. I mean, you know, if Flair's in there with a great wrestler like Steamboat, it's not the same as if he's carrying some lumbering El Gigante or, uh, you know, flare wrestling Brad Armstrong in a clinic is not like flare wrestling a powerhouse like Road Warrior Hawk. I mean, to say he had the same match every night is nonsense, nonsense. You know, they, after their 500th, you know, wrestling book and 5,000 shoot interview, they think they know everything, but they weren't there. They weren't there. And let me tell you, Flair and War Games, that's a bloody brawl. That's not Flair wrestling Barry Windham, hold for hold. It wasn't the same match every night. They're rewriting history, and they're not being fair to the guy. If they don't like him personally for outside-the-ring things, that's that's a different scenario. But don't take away from how great the guy was because, you know, it's just not fair. I'm going to take you back, Evan. Yeah. You should remember this well. Heroes of Wrestling. It was trashed. Absolutely. I remember. And you and I went to war with Meltzer, number one, and a couple others. And it was like, wait a second. Who went there expecting to see these guys in their prime? It was like an old-timers game at Yankee Stadium and somebody booing. It's like, there's no respect. You're making a buck off their ass. And you got the unmitigated goal to knock what the hell are doing. And I mean, look at the one man gang. He bled unmercifully, Uh, you know, and everybody tried. They went out there. They gave it all. But they were just, oh, the worst pay-per-view of all time. Bullshit. The garbage I've seen. The worst pay-per-view of all time. Kiss my ass. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, dumb bastards. But give them credit that they got out there and tried. They did. It's the equivalent of going to like the Mets or Yankees old timers game and, and a legend strikes out and the fans booing them. That's what I just said. Booing yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what the expectations were, but, uh, you know, it's like respect these guys. These guys, you know, were out there, you know, 300 days plus a year for decades entertaining you, sacrificing their bodies. Nikita will tell you, you know, over the years, 
there's uh, Lou Albano in a wheelchair. There's uh, there's Iron Sheik in a wheelchair. Abdullah's in a wheelchair. Harley Race was in a wheelchair. It just breaks your heart, man. And to mock these guys, to mock these guys because they weren't as good 20 or 30 years after the fact. And the almost guaranteed diabetes that comes with it from carrying that weight and not living right. I mean, it's it's horrible. Like Haystacks Calhoun lost his legs. And like he said, look, I, yeah, I made $200,000 a year, like in the 50s and 60s, but I had to buy like the whole row when I flew. How much do you think it cost to keep me at 600 pounds? He ended up in a trailer park and in horrible, horrible health, but he did it. I mean, look at this guy, walks to the ring. Nobody had to drive him in a vehicle or transport him. He'd take the horseshoe off, it was five or 10 minutes and then gone, boom. And it was like, that's incredible. The man was good, but what do you hear? Oh, he was a freak. He couldn't wrestle. He couldn't. He wasn't supposed to, you stupid bastard. He was supposed to be 600 pounds haystacks Calhoun. What part of this are you not getting, you damn retards? Ooh, politically Ooh. incorrect then, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you Anyway. Enough, enough with the sugar are. coating on this show. Yeah, t- tell us how you really feel about that. Um. Let me, say, let me just say something else. Uh, I, I was having this conversation recently. Um, you know, like, like Nikita, I grew up on the old WWWF in the 70s. And, um, you know, when you hear the younger fans go, oh, Bruno and Pedro and Superstar, all they did was punch and kick. Yeah. You know, they, they don't get it. They don't get it. We were blue-collar marks for the most part okay and when they kicked when they kicked bruno they were kicking you you felt it these were your heroes bruno was like a half god to us okay when bruno lost to lost to ivan kolov i wasn't there but people cried the place went silent that they loved this man it wasn't some character on a TV show, some silly character. He was their hero, you know? And and to this day, I look at guys like Bruno and Pedro and Billy Graham as childhood heroes. And um, they would walk down the aisle, and Nikita will tell you, there was no pyro, there was no music. The building shook from sheer charisma. The building shook. And when you had Bruno and Billy Graham in the ring, it was like it was like Superman and, and Lex Luthor. It was like Batman and the Joker. These were like superheroes and supervillains come to life. Bruno could bench press 600 pounds. He was a superhero to us. Billy Graham in the 70s, it was like he was dropped from another planet. Nobody looked like that. Nobody sounded like that. Nobody except maybe Muhammad Ali talked like that. It was it was amazing. And um, so to say, oh, you know, they just punched and kicked and Flair had the same match every night. You're rewriting history. They, they just didn't get it. They didn't. They weren't there. They didn't get it. And, and let me let me say the other side of it. So for the old school guys who go, there's been no good wrestling since the territories. Everybody's a spot monkey. That's nonsense. Also, some of these guys are artists. 
Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express, that was odd. Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson was odd. <laughs> Okada and Kenny Omega was odd. You know, I understand you might not appreciate Will Ospreay and Ricochet. I do. And might that might be going too far, you know, in a different direction. But to me, it's odd. It's odd, you know. Abdullah the Butcher or the uh, original Sheik stabbing somebody in the head, somebody not, might not get. To me, it was odd. Evan, theater yeah. in a squared circle. Yeah. Right? From Jeff, Jeff Hart. He, he in said it right. Circle. I argued with this gal one time. She was the uh, dialogue coach on a movie. Big Hollywood, or yeah, big Hollywood theater person. So she says, oh, Nikita, blah, blah, everything looks good. What's your theater background? I said, professional wrestling. That's not nothing to do with theater. I said, oh, you're wrong. It absolutely does have something to do with theater. We get one take, Jake. We screw it up. You house burned down, okay? You got to do it. You got to be that person. You got to make that crowd come to life. She says, it's got nothing to do with, with this other guy, uh, all these other goofballs. It's like, I don't care. I'm not here to do that kind of the bard and all that stuff. That's different. But it's still theater. Professional wrestling is, and I love Jeff Archer's book, Theater in a Squared Circle, was spot on. And if anybody gets a chance, go buy that one. It's a great read. Let me just let me just throw this in quickly, you know, and and please let let Benny let Benny talk also. Are but, they here? Yeah, this is like <laughs> therapy. So, uh, <laughs> as an educator, I've also worked in education. One time, a teacher says to me, "Quote: What's an intelligent fellow like you doing involved in wrestling?" You know, and she said it with like disdain. So I said, I said. If I put on a match for you, a video, would you actually sit down and watch it? And she said, sure. So I put down, I put on Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. And she sat there with like a mouth open. And she was like, <laughs> wow, these guys really are athletes. This, re this really is something. I mean, Vince, Vince, you know, presenting everything as a circus for eight-year-olds. And and people stagnated, adult Peter Pan stagnated at eight year olds watching that horrific TV. You know, then they're not going to get it. But you know, some of these guys are just artists. You even Roman, talk. even Roman Reigns, and some of these guys, they're great. They're great. It's just a circus like atmosphere that they have them in. You could cry for what they did to the Bushwhackers. They were hard. Yeah. Poor, and they made the key the kiwi sheep herders. They were they were vicious. Yes, Jonathan Boyd too. When he was with them, it was like, man, they talk about ECW. ECW was kindergarten when those guys went to Puerto Rico and had to fight for their life. Barb, real barbed wire matches. They and they have the scars to prove it. Now you make them. I mean, hey, God bless them. They're great guys. I love them to death, and they made a good payday from it, but. It's a shame what they did to them. The sheep herders had a fight for their life getting to and from the ring. The fans <laughs> were throwing urine on them. They were they were throwing heavy objects at them. It, it, it was a different world back then. Definitely but, have. But people would say to you, well, why would you watch that stuff? It's like, how can you not? Let me ask you that. How in the hell can you not watch <laughs> Because it was fun. You know, Benny, he mentioned us getting a word in. When these guys are on the show, it's the easiest night of the easiest night of the month we have, isn't it? It's a night off. 
I well, do have I do have a comment. Uh, go for it, man. Related what do you think? to Evans' movie, actually, and it, going along with what uh, Nikita just said, when I believe that this was in the movie, I can get corrected if I'm wrong, but when George Steele showed up at the uh, at the uh, filming of Ed Wood, and I guess they asked Mister you know Mister Steele, do you have any acting ability? And I think Bill Murray said the guy's the guy's a professional wrestler. He's been acting his whole life. Did I get that right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, um, I actually recommended George Steele for that role to the uh, production team. I don't, I don't think they credited me, but uh, I, I did recommend him, and they were like, "He's too old." I said, "He looks just like Todd Johnson." They said, "He's perfect." So uh, the rest is history there. But um, mm. well. Let me ask you, getting back to, to the topic at hand, we were talking with Ric Flair. You you both follow, at least to some degree, the current product and, and maybe some of the older talent that's active on the indies. It, is there anybody out there you can think of that would be le- a legitimate opponent for Flair, somebody that might capture the Crockett nostalgia Valentine. and still be able to, Valentine, to carry Valentine it? Valentine could still go. He's 73. Valentine says, Valentine's my buddy. He stays with me. He crashes at my place sometimes. Valentine said to me, when he gets in the ring on an indie show now, it's like going to the gym. It's a workout. That's the way he looks at it. It's a workout. You know, he breaks a sweat. He goes in there and, you know, he does his shtick. But it's not going to be Greg Valentine, 1981 Madison Square Garden. You know, it is uh, it is what it is. So, yeah, Flair and Valentine, I'm sure, could, uh, you know, work out a – decent enough match and make it nostalgic and entertaining. I, I, would, I, I once booked Johnny Valiant against Jimmy Snooker. They were both pushing 60 at the time, and the fans loved it. But 60 isn't 73. Last 73. That's a big difference. Well, you're you're teetering there. Are you telling me if you were if you were in the back, you wouldn't book uh, Flair and Valentine in a dog collar match coming up here in the summer? Or? Yeah. How about Bob Backlund, though? He's the exact same age as Flair, and he's in very good shape. I'm sure Backlund could put on a match. That, that guy looks like he could do an hour hour at the gym. The guy's in tremendous shape. He could do it. And Tony Atlas, too. Yeah, Tony Atlas still has those guns. But you got to think, everybody, like I said in the Britain comment not too long ago, it's like Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. A man's got to know his limitations. Hey, if you feel like uh, you can go out here and do this, knock yourself out, go for it. You got to wake up the next morning and get out of bed so you know what you can tolerate. Or other people say, no, I've been there and I've done that. I'm happy with it. I'll tell you what, Ivan Koloff did a series with him back in 1999. I'm going to manage him and Nikolai. After the first night, Ivan says, you working with Nikolai tomorrow, I'm going to manage. I, he said, it's been too long. I can't do it. So we said, well, wait a minute, that ain't going to be good. Why don't we work this bullshit angle where we flip a coin and uh, one Russian could be two Americans. So we did that, and he stayed on the outside with me. But it had been so long, and Ivan was like, man, he said, I couldn't get out of bed this morning. He said, I don't know what I was thinking. And, you know, there's a, a guy that gave everything when he was acting. But he had a long layoff, and then he tried to come back, and it was just too hard. But him on the outside with me was perfect. 
because people got to see Ivan Koloff. He did all his stuff. Then Nikolai, of course, like a human dynamo, he just carried the match, no problem. And but Ivan was tough. what, about 60 then? At least. He was probably yeah. closer to 65, but yeah. But it's hard when you lay off. It's like anything else. Look, when Bruno broke his neck that night, he was okay. Finished the match. As soon as he cooled down, that's when the world crashed in on him. And it was like, oh, my God. You you get a rhythm. You're okay. You keep on going. That's like pitchers in baseball. The most unnatural motion is overhand. Man, when they stop, it's just like it's instant hell. It's agony. Basketball players. My wife brought it to my attention. Her name is Victoria. She always gets mad when I don't mention her name. And I just say, just call me your wife. So that my wife, <laughs> she said, you know who has the most bad kidneys and liver and all of pro sports? I said, yeah, football. She's like, no, basketball. Because they take so much aspirin, they'll go through a bottle a game. Because you think about it, up and down, knees, ankles, feet, and all night long, running up and down. It takes its toll. And if you anybody remember Wes Unsell with the Baltimore Bullets, yes, I saw him because he retired to Baltimore. I saw him out in Carroll County one day, and I'm looking. It's like, holy, man, he's like 250 pounds. He's all hunched over. That's what happens to your body. It can't take this kind of abuse. It's not natural. But I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I worked on the Indies occasionally as a heel manager, and um, – the guys I work with, Team Splendid, they're, they're older guys, um, 150 and 160. And uh, Chris Michaels, he was an early ECW champion. Um, he was in an indie match not that long ago, earlier this year. And this guy hit his knee the wrong way. And, you know, now he's got a, now he's got a bad knee and he's in a lot of pain. At 60, you don't bounce back as quick as when, when you're 30 or 40. You know, and, um, you know, part of him loves the business and part of him is I don't need to be in pain every day, you know, for, for an indie payday or whatnot. And uh, at some point, your body just gives out. And, you know, people have died in the ring. People have, Nikita will tell you back in the day, boy, Ray Gunkel and some of these guys. You know, uh, DiBiase's dad. DiBiase's dad. You know, they have heart attacks. They're old. Uh, uh, Bob Orton so, Sr. as well. Yeah. So, you know, there is a risk factor here. Lawler had a Lawler had a heart attack just calling the match. I mean, Flair's going to be in there. So you you're carrying. There is a risk. There is you're a carrying risk. on a minimum two fifty, and then a lot of guys three hundred. If you don't think that's a lot. Put some bricks in a back sack and carry it around for a while, and you'll figure out that ticker. Yeah, you might have muscles that can tear phone books in half, but that heart is still a heart. And after a while, it just ain't going to make it, man. It's just too much stress and strain. Well, and it gets it gets progressively worse now with these companies going back on the road schedules, where you you take your beating in the ring and then cram your six, seven, six, eight, three hundred pound body into a small rental car and drive 200 miles to the next show. You never really get that stretch, that rest, that let me lay down for a little bit. Yes, the sleep. There's no sleep, and you got to have it because it's the brain. It needs it. Even though, you know, I used to be amazed. It would be like we drive to New York, drive back home, and next day I'm exhausted. I'm like, what the hell? 
Nikolai's in there 10 minutes. I'm standing dancing around on the outside. Why am I wiped out? It's the driving. Your brain is just processing so much information. It's draining. I found this out because the wife, thank God, survived a tumor, Victoria, brain tumor. I learned a lot about the brain. It takes like 40% of our energy every day. So you sit at the computer doing nothing but keystrokes, and man, you're beat. It's like I'm exhausted because this thing, this brain, because they can't see me, the brain wipes you out. You're dead, dead tired. Sleep is the best Tai Chi. I practice Tai Chi. The Tai Chi teacher says that. It's I feel so people that can't sleep because I'm out before the light. It's no problem. I could sleep standing <laughs> up like a horse, but some people just can't buy sleep. That's a curse. It is. So I wanted to just throw a few names out here just as reference points. Uh, baseball, Vita Blue, Dusty Baker, Bill Buckner. Uh, football, Joe Theismann and John Riggins. That was for Dan, of course. You know, famous Redskins. Basketball, artist Gilmore and Spencer Haywood. And what they have in common is, and, and a lot of people out there, if they're listening, who the hell are those guys? Hey, they're, Benny. They're, yes. I was going to say, um, but don't forget, if we're, you were talking that, that genre, you throw in a couple boxers, George Foreman and Larry Holmes. But I'm, I guess my point is all the men that I just mentioned are the same age as Ric Flair. And, I mean, they had they had their best days you know, 40 years ago. And it just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big, Evan mentioned the old timers game and I'm a huge fan. And I remember back in the day watching in the late sixties, then they'd have Bill Dickey out there. And you know, he was probably about the same age as Ric Flair, probably early seventies. He, you know, he'd make contact and everybody would cheer. And I mean, even if they struck out, who cared? But I, I think that that's to me, the, the, the difference is the expectation was little to none back then where I think the expectation for this is going to be a lot higher. Well, they're going to be disappointed because he's only going to be able to do so much. And no matter how good the other guys are, they'll sell like crazy, but it's, it's going to be obvious. It's not flash steamboat. Come on. It, it is what it is. Enjoy it. I hope they all enjoy it. I, I hope Flair has a great time. I hope everybody makes money. But you're running an unnecessary risk with this. It's an unnecessary risk. Could, could, this, could this have been done with kayfabe? Maybe. They brought Buddy Rogers back, like uh, Nikita said. He was in the 60s, right? But he put out. I, it wasn't like he held in the corner and let Snooker carry the match. He got in there with Stevens. He was in there about 60% of the night. And it, he put on a damn good performance. And when I seen him in Baltimore the following year, they went against Morocco and Albano. And it was the same. He didn't give, like, you know, I'm going to cheat the people tonight. I'm just going to hang on the outside like Lou would do. But that was part of his gimmick. You know, so Lou would only come in if somebody was down bullshit. So it was like that was good. We expected that. But Buddy Rogers was in there. He didn't just lay back. But, Benny, I'm glad you mentioned Vita Blue because, damn it, and back in the early 70s, that was it. That left-hander, son of a bitch, we hated him in Baltimore because nobody could hit him. He was it's great. Change, it's a change Let of pace, have... Benny. You mentioned in baseball on one of our shows. Imagine that. <laughs> let me let me, let me me add this. Um, <laughs> I wrote a piece for Pro Wrestling Stories a while back. They called it the Fossil Jostle 
and they had Lou Albano against Freddie Blassie at the Nassau Coliseum, and it was absolutely horrendous. It was, you can't even imagine how bad this was. And um, so in, in all their brilliance, the WWE booked a rematch, <laughs> and it was equally horrendous, the following card. So, <laughs> so at the time, at the time, you know, these guys were in, I would guesstimate their 50s and 60s, not their 70s, okay? You're, you're talking, um, you know, like 1985 or 6 or whatnot when they had this. And um, Lassie's knees were shot. And they, they, could, they couldn't do anything. So really, it was anti-nostalgia. It was painful to watch. And as somebody, my wife just walked in. As somebody who... What's her uh, name? What's her yeah, name? What's her name? Yeah. Mom. Okay. Mom. Our, my, my brother-in-law is a movie star, Korean movie star. Yeah, Han Fa Kim. Han, come say hi. We're, we're doing it. Hi, how are you? Hello. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Yeah. Anyway, we got to do a show, Han. <laughs> it's got to be confusing because on the East Coast, everybody's Han. So, if huh. I'm, hey, hon, what are you doing today? You probably yeah. didn't call her. Anyway, we got to do Okay. Keep going, Jeff. Bye. So, um, anyway, my point being, you would think seeing two all-time greats like Blassie and Albano in a ring together would be magic, but but it was the opposite. It was, it was painful. It, like, tore your heart out to see these guys absolutely. And, and and Albano was ne never a great wrestler in his prime. I mean, Blassie was top notch, but uh, you know, it was it was a mistake. And I I think Flair could it it could very well be a mistake. And uh, you know, you, it is what it is. Flair at this point, he's either on everybody's good list or bad list, <laughs> like at the top, like CM Punk. They either love him or hate him as it is. And I don't think having a match at seventy three is going to help. Honestly, you know, Benny, that that list you mentioned um, when you were talking athletes born in 1949, I, I mentioned Larry Holmes and George Foreman. When George Foreman came out of retirement for his second go, he ended up winning the heavyweight title in 1994. He was just shy of 46. And that was considered a miracle because 45, 46 was so old to be an athlete. And here, Ric Flair's almost 30 years older than that. And Bernard, Hop Bernard Hopkins was fighting top-notch guys in his 50s, but 52 yeah. was in 73. That's <laughs> true. Well, I mean, where, Bernard Hopkins, where he broke. Blanda. Who remembers George Blanda in his 40s for football? Oakland Raiders quarterback. Yep. Yes. He was out there doing And the over-the-hill gang, Washington Redskins in 1971. My God, I love them. They were my favorite team. And I'm from Baltimore, and I still love them. My uh, father hated my guts. But I said, I don't care. I love the Redskins over the hill. Man, that was great. Greg Valentine told me he ripped up his knee walking up the ring steps. The ring steps collapsed, and he, and oh. he badly injured himself. So th there's risk with anything, particularly as you get older. Your, your body isn't as resilient. And... Um, 
you know, you don't know what you don't know what could happen in there. Flair, Flair was in pretty bad health a while back, and uh, I, I I just hope he does this two or three minutes. He's happy. The fans are happy. Nobody's hurt. You know, he makes a zillion dollars signing merchandise that night, and you know that's the best scenario. You're not going to see a great match. I'm sorry. But he's not going to make us forget what Bruno San Martino did. He's not going to go down in history as the greatest champion because you're still not going to do better than Backlund, even Pedro Morales. But good luck to you, my friend. I hope you succeed, as Evan said, and everybody goes home without any more injuries, all the, what they already have. Well, that's that's a that's actually a perfect transition because you talked about his legacy and Evan, you mentioned the, the old timers kind of not being able to bring it just uh, over the weekend. We're recording this on a Tuesday, just over the weekend, AEW had a pay-per-view that featured a Hardy, a match with Matt and Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy's been receiving a lot of criticism recently for obviously being old and beaten up and past his prime. And, you know, you, you spend 20 years jumping off things and jumping through tables. Eventually you're back and legs give out. And some have argued that him being this slow plotting, clearly wearing a brace, older version, you know, beat up version of himself is tarnishing his legacy. If Flair goes out there and has an, an Alban, an Albano moment where he's just so old and can't do it. And it's, I hate to use the word, but, but it ends up being embarrassing. Does that, does that hurt his legacy at all? Or do people still look at Flair Steamboat, Flair Rhodes and say, you know, he just, and remember the good times. There's a huge, there's a huge list of guys who stayed well past their prime working the indies. They should, you know, but you can't forget how great they were in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or whatnot. I mean, you can't take that away from them. You just say they, they hung around too long. And sometimes the problem is the younger fans who never saw them in their prime, um, they just write them off completely. You know, they'll remember you know, a Greg Valentine from WCW. They won't remember Greg Valentine from NWA or WWWF, you know, and it's a different guy 20 or 30 years later. It's it's not the same level of competitor. Bruno did it to push his son, and he said, I hated it. I hated every minute, but I did what I could for my son. And then it got to the point where it was like, I no more. I don't look like I did. I can't do what I do. And people are seeing it, even though they're loving what, because I'm Bruno, it's like, I got more respect for me. I'm done. This is over with. Yeah. I remember uh, very specifically, I guess it was around 85, 86, Bruno had Bobby Heenan in the ring. Bruno whipped Bobby up the ropes to give him the bear hug. And, you know, Heenan jumped into Bruno's arms and Bruno fell down. And to me, it was like, I, it was, I was horrified. Like, this isn't, this isn't Bruno. It's almost like, so I'm going to use another baseball reference. Willie Mays, 1973 World Series for the Mets. I think he was 42, tripping all over himself in the outfield. And so he's, he leaves with that, but I choose to remember him as the guy 
who made that 1954 against the Cleveland Indians over-the-shoulder catch on Vic Wirtz, which is arguably one of the, the greatest catches in history. It's almost yep. like you, ha- you have two different people at that point. Yeah, we had it with Frank Robinson. Unfortunately, the designated hitter rule did not come in until the following year when he left because they felt like, well, since Don Baylor was ready, let Frank go because of his age and his knees. Then he goes on to become manager at the Cleveland Indians, and he was able to push another four or five years and very productive. But Frank tried to give his buddy Boog Powell a little boost, but Boog was done. And there was nothing you can do about it. Boog was just too heavy, and he wasn't going to be able to perform. We saw it many times. Brooks Robinson finally said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. Uh, I mean, And John Unitas with football, oh, my God, that poor bastard. I love him to death. I have all the respect in the world. But that man was a walking uh, – I don't know how he got up in the morning. He was just mangled. He was a walking, mangled man. It, unbelievable. And he played that one last uh, season with San Diego. Oh, man. You don't even want to think about that. Oh. To me, the most painful sports event um, relevant to what we're discussing was um, Ali and Holmes. Holmes was actually saying to the referee, stop it. I don't want to hurt him. Stop it. It was pitiful. Ali at 40 against Larry Holmes. He was shot. And, uh, and then Ali came back again, and, and Trevor Burbick did the same thing. Trevor Burbick, you know, couldn't have carried Ali's jock in his prime, you know, but he, he hung around too long. And, um, you know, sometimes these guys, they just don't know when to quit. And uh, Well, there's one more big name, and literally big. When Andre wrestled Hogan, that was a disaster. That was hard to watch. Yeah, that's why I had to bring in that rig to get him to the ring. He couldn't even walk to the damn ring. See, I I was watching I was watching Andre at the Garden back in the mid seventies, and you know a young Andre who was thin and could move. Andre against Kowalski, you know uh, Andre and Butcher Bashan, Andre, uh, you know er- earlier the guy was great, but God, ten years later he was he was a shell of what he was. And and you figure Andre is a great example because after WrestleMania three and his program with Hogan finished with the Survivor Series, he still wrestled for several more years. And you look at some of his later uh, the the tag team main event or excuse me the tag team match. I mean at Mania, him and Haku against the uh, Demolition, and it was you know Haku would wrestle ninety percent of the match. Uh, they, they always had the spot where they tie Andre up in the ropes just to kind of give him a minute to rest. And it got, and then his, his later t- uh, mat- with Japan, you know, him and Baba where Andre would spend, would spend the entire match with one hand on the ropes. Like he could not walk. Sad, sad. It, he, and, and it was, I, I hope, I mean, I've seen some, uh, they've released some videos of flair in the ring with Jay lethal, him training at the gym. I mean, he can clearly walk and move, so it might be better than that. But let me ask you guys something. What do you think if this turns out to to work, uh, it, the match is well received, Flair gets a couple minutes and, and actually can do something. 
what do you think the chances are he goes, hey, I can probably do another one of these once that paycheck comes in or he sees the feels that crowd reaction again? Do you you do you see Flair doing two, three more matches down the road if this uh, works out? I, I could see Flair going the Randy the Ram route if he keeps going at 74, 75. You know it would be perfect. He's a great talker, he's charismatic, he's you know. Everybody knows him. Let him be a heel manager or whatnot, or right. even a face manager at this point. You know, why not? Let him just stand outside the ring and carry on. He wouldn't do it. It ain't in it. <clears throat> He's got to be it or that's it. <clears throat> and- He's, I'm just saying physically that's something he could be capable of doing. And uh, But but to start wrestling in, in your soon-to-be mid-70s, no, that that's a real risk, and uh, I'd hate to see any. I, I'd hate to see anything go wrong. And uh, well, my answer, Dan, is yes. He will do it again and again and again because it's in his blood. One time, I got a little bit disgusted with things. I was going more towards acting, and I was talking to Strongbow. I said, "Chief, I'm done with it." He said, "No, you ain't. It's in your blood. You'll never be done." And he was right. And this is Flair. He, he ain't going to stop. Good luck. God bless. But he'll keep going. Teachers need to teach. Singers need to sing. Wrestlers need to wrestle. Flair, this is who he is. This is his self-identity. You, get, you, you guys need to do radio. You guys need to write about wrestling. I mean, people are who they are. And it's um, this is who the guy is. This is how he identifies. And... You know, he's not going to change now, uh, 50 years into it or whatnot. Let's hope the critics are kind. Oh, they're not going to be kind. I mean, wrestling fans are obsessive and, you know, they're brutal. In fact, uh, let, let me toss this out there. Uh, and Benny, I've seen, you know, comment on this as well. The wrestling fans are so cruel that they diminish the careers of these guys. Benny just did a piece, for example, on Baron Mikel Sakuna for Pro Wrestling Stories. And Sakuna was a main event guy for most of his career. The last few years, he was older. He settled down. He was, you know, working the WWWF circuit. But for most of his career, this guy wrestled the main event at the Garden against Bruno. He was a tag team champ. He headlined around the world. So you hear endless fanboys doing the... He was just a jobber. My no, favorite jobber, yeah. No, he wasn't, okay? Neither was I and Mike Sharp. Neither was Buddy Rose. These guys were all headliners in different places, different times. Champions. Mike said- Spluna, when he came in 1976, that was his last mid-level run. Then he stayed until he retired in 83. And it's like, why not? The pay is good. Easy work. He knows the area. Then he went to work for the Times. It's like, why not? Like Danucci, same thing. Hey, hang around. Chief, they all did it. Tony Gurria. It's like, you know what? You just go where the where the action is. They say, you know what? I'm not on top anymore. And you do it. But these people, these so-called experts, uh, these judges, nah, they, they need a, a lesson. But don't, but don't diminish the careers and rewrite history. I saw I saw Butcher Paul Vachon as a main event guy. I saw him wrestle Bruno. I saw him wrestle Andre. Oh, he was just a jobber. That's nonsense. He was AWA tag team champion. 
all even Johnny Rods headlined in, in, in different areas. Los Angeles. You know, in, in Puerto Rico, in LA. You, you can't just do like a, a label, quote, just the job. They don't even understand the role. And that term is offensive that they use. And I said this in print. Everybody jobs for somebody. Bruno had to do it. Chief had to do it. They all do it. Yeah, absolutely. But but my point is they're rewriting history unfairly because they don't know the history. And they came in, let's say, Hulkamania era, and they didn't see these guys on top 10 years earlier, even five years earlier. I and Mike Sharp wrestled Backlund for the belt. Okay, I saw I and Mike Sharp go twenty minutes with Tito for the uh, IC belt at the Garden. He wasn't quote just the jobber. He was champion in different territories, headliner in different territories. If you don't know your history, at bare minimum, you know don't diminish these guys. You know don't don't because because what happens is after the five thousand genius you know, misrepresents these guys. Other geniuses start to believe it. Oh, he was just a jobber. He was never on top. He was never a champion. And it, it's just it's just unfair. And what's interesting, so for example, a guy like uh, Irish Mickey Doyle, who I used to watch on the LA tapings, um, this guy was a tremendous wrestler and well-respected by everybody in the industry. And in some areas, he was lower on the card, some mid-card, some tag team champion. You can't just make like a, you know, um, a label, an all-fitting label for any of these guys. So if you don't know your history, don't stop putting it out publicly. I mean, to me, it's, it's just a pet peeve. I don't want to belabor the point. It's true, though. They should shut the hell up. I'm, I'm 100% with you guys. And, you know, my thing is, they are expressing their opinion based only on their own perspective. So if they started watching in 1980, 1981, they're going to make the comment, well, Sakuna was a jobber. So is Dominic DiNucci without realizing like what these guys actually did. I mean, Dominic was a champion all over the country and all over the world. So was Baron Sakuna. They both held, I think it was the IWA Australian version of the, uh, the world championship. And they, I think Dominic beat Ray Stevens or Kowalski. And I, I think Sakuna beat maybe King Curtis. I mean, these are legendary names that they're thrown in with. And these people don't, I don't know if they just don't care or they, they don't, they don't want to invest the time into studying a little bit and find out who these guys really were. It is very frustrating. They don't and know they, what they don't know. And they're never going to know. As, as, as an editor, it's very simple. You fact check. You fact check. And you know, if you don't know the facts, don't put it out publicly, especially if it's negative. You know, it, it's just wrong. It's just, it's unfair. Yeah, you know, Benny, that's that's a great example. We were talking about Andre and then some of the later WrestleManias uh, or early WrestleManias. I mean, WrestleMania two, the multi-city matches had uh the the had the big battle royal um andre the giant ended up winning this was a year before mania he was already older then but you had uh pedro morales uh bruno san martino uh you know, some of these guys um tony atlas and and so uh you know they were 
filler. I mean, it was literally barely a mention of their legendary status. They were filler to the fans because, that came in during the WrestleMania because, era. But you because know, of the half a dozen football players that it, were in. Exactly. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm becoming a wrestling fan in the WrestleMania era, and WrestleMania is now telling me that Refrigerator Perry is a bigger star than Pedro Morales and a better wrestler than Bruno. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. You know, at, at obviously, you know, you learn you learn later how wrong that is. But I'm wondering if if these, uh, you know, really, let's take uh, mid 2000s WWE the the flair, you know, with with evolution and the build up into the you know 2010s fans that that kind of came in in the last 20 years or so have only known Ric Flair as an old man who's the the senior mentor and i mean even 20 you know, i hate to say it 20 years ago he he was portrayed as as the old man and and some of these bits so i'm wondering is does this could this have the flip side of uh watching you know all this this publicity that rick flair's getting i'm going to go look up stuff on on the WWE network or I'm going to go on YouTube and find or maybe excuse me Peacock WWE network doesn't exist anymore here um you know is there a chance this has the opposite effect and fans kind of look into his older stuff and that brings more eyes to the territory days yeah but you you also have to hope that they're sharp enough to appreciate it because I hear a, a lot of younger fans go Oh, that 70s and 80s wrestling was boring. You know, they didn't do the high spots. And, uh, you know, so sometimes they don't they don't get it. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be online. Benny will appreciate this. And people will go, um, I can't watch any black and white movies. They're all boring. It's like, no, you're an idiot. And you don't appreciate it. It's, you can't. Every black and white movie ever made was boring because you're a moron and you don't appreciate it. I mean, come on. So, yeah, the backside of it, the, the other side of it could be that they'll watch old matches and just not quote unquote get it. Hey, this is 30 minutes. I'm used to a five minute TV match. The ADD generation may not, you know. Or they'll, they'll, they'll watch a two minute headlock by Johnny Valentine to say this is boring and, and you know, walk away. And not get it. Exactly. Exactly. So, look, um, I, it, wor it works both ways. I, I, I see people online go, there's been no good music since the 1970s. That's a, insane also. In 50 years, nobody's created good music. But um, the bottom line is great is great. And people will have... People, for the most part, not everybody, will appreciate great. If you watch Flair and Steamboat and you don't appreciate it, something's probably wrong. And if you watch Billy Graham and Bruno or Nikolai and Bruno and you don't appreciate it, something's probably, it's you because, you know, you don't have that reference point. You don't, you, you just don't get it. It's a matter of taste and some people have eaten too much shit and they can't tell the difference when something's good. That's it. Well put. Um, can't can't argue with that, Benny. As we uh, wrap up another great roundtable, any final questions, final thoughts? Yeah. So I guess my my concern is, 
will this open the Pandora's box? Like, say this is fairly successful. Are we going to get in the year 2050 a John Cena last match or a CM Punk last match? Or, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You better believe it. And they just brought back Austin after, what, almost 20 years? 19 years, that, correct. That's yeah. money. That's money, man. Of course. And there's another guy that can hardly walk. He's all busted up in the knees. But he, pulled, he pulled it off, though. It was a good ball. Yeah. 13 minutes. It wasn't like a two-minute deal. Yeah, it was good. You know, the uh, couple of the dirt sheets are reporting the the Rock, or excuse me, Dwayne Johnson, his schedule is pretty open the three, four months around WrestleMania next year. The Rock, the rock is in better shape than 99% of mankind, I, I, uh, you know, of humanity. This guy's in better shape. That's a different story than Flair at 73. You know, The Rock is, is, is in tremendous shape. He, He's in his what late forties or fifties? He's like right about fifty. Right around fifty. I mean, that's a different story. I mean, I saw Nick Bockwinkle uh, wrestle for the AWA title. He was fifty-four at the time, and the guy was magnificent. You know, that's different than seventy-three. Believe me, it's uh, yeah. You better believe it. The decline is very rapid. Yeah, but. Uh, the, the Rock, who <laughs> is incredibly fit, 25 or so years younger than Flair, who was on his deathbed a while back. It's, it's a different story, honestly. Right. All right, well, we'll we'll see then. Like you said, Benny, 20, uh, The Rock's 50. So uh, WrestleMania, what is uh, WrestleMania 2042? So what's that, what's that going to be like? Six, yeah, Re WrestleMania 57. Main event, The Rock and Roman Reigns, or something like that. And I, th well, I think, I think Dan should stop throwing Benny off of ladders because Benny's getting up there too. You know, it's going to take its toll. Sixty-seven next month. Oh man, sixty-seven. Yeah, yep. well, you you better you better be careful, Benny, because this podcast has terrible insurance insurance plans. So they might have an I I fallen and I can't get up match. You know who knows? I'm a, I'm a hundred seven, but the. But I do DDP yoga. No, really, I do DDP yoga. It's great. I, I, I do as well. Yep. This this year I'll be a 20 year survivor of prostate cancer. So I always want to throw that out there to get tested, get tested. But I used to uh, can laugh with Victoria, my wife, and say there ought to be a catheter match. First guy to pull the catheter out is the winner. Can you imagine that one? <laughs> Plus, they were doing all that goofy shit on the Indies at 90. Oh man. So. Yeah, you know, c considering the. Uh... Some of the some of the vi clips that have been floating around. Um, just curious, have either of you seen that ridiculousness with the uh, the wrestler that lit his shoe on fire to do a super kick, and then at, at no, apparently they didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't plan on putting the fire out, so he did the kick, and then had to realize, oh, I'm still on fire, and the rest no. bumping water no, bottles on him. Whenever I get into a street fight, I put my uh, sneaker on fire and try kicking the guy. It doesn't end well for either of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not going to even mention names because I don't want to give that loser any, any publicity. But if you get a chance, you should look that up. That is the epitome of the junk you were mentioning, uh, Nikita, the junk. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was a poorly written spot, too, because I'm going to light my shoe on fire. I'm going to kick the guy. And then I'm going to realize, oh, crap, I, I, I have no way of putting my foot out. And, you know, so the ring the ring is now on fire and we're all effed. So. And, the, and the promoter says, I'm going to get sued into oblivion. 
You lost the building. You lost your house. Help, help. All for a crowd of what looked like 35 people. Mm. And the irony is the wrestling boot or the sneakers probably more than the uh, indie payoff. <laughs> and there's some idiot that'll buy it. What, 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 what was it we always say, Benny? That's worth the 25 bucks and two hot dogs, right? <laughs> Absolutely. When I finally meet Benny, I'm going to set my shoe on fire and kick him, see how that works out. <laughs> No, I, well, that'll be yeah. second. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to punch me in the stomach, see if I hold my ear. Sakuna yeah, like style. Sakuna. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I couldn't figure that out because I was a mock. And I'm like, he's getting punched in the stomach and he's grabbing his other ear. Not, not the one closest, the other one. Yeah. Yes. And then the genie just would say, oh, look, it's phony. He's grabbing his ears like he does that all the time. Shut up. Bernie Landry think- do that too. He would grab his ear. Angelo Savoli did it, didn't he? I think he did it as well. Back uh, in the day. Before my time, you're much, much, much older than me. <laughs> much, much, yes. Yes. Well, uh, gentlemen, as we wrap up here, another excellent roundtable. Your your infinite wisdom is always appreciated and welcome on the show. Uh, I'm just curious if uh, either I know. Obviously, we mentioned the book, Nikita. We mentioned Evan, your your films. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you first, Evan. Uh, any social media, anything you want to plug before we go? We wrap up here. Sure. I have a book coming out later this year. It's called Wrestling Rings, Blackboards, and Movie Sets. It's a hundred stories, most of which I wrote during the pandemic while we were uh, on lockdown here in New York. And uh, it's not just wrestling. It's also about um, you know, teaching and making films and there's seven or eight pieces on making the wrestler. Um, and there's tributes in the, in the book to Nikolai, Johnny Valiant, uh, Larry Sweeney, Melissa Coates, Nicole Bass, Tiger Khan, all, you know, all the friends that I lost in the business. And um, uh, yeah, it's from the heart. And it'll be out sometime later this year. It's, it was delayed because my production guy, Jeff Archer, his wife of 49 years just passed. And his best friend, yeah, and his best friend just passed. He had a brutal stretch. So, um, mm. so the book's taken longer than I had hoped for, but it will be out this year. He's working hard on it now. And... Mm. Uh, yeah, and uh, I have a Facebook page, uh, Evan Ginsberg's Old School Wrestling Memories. You can check that out. And, of course, uh, Pro Wrestling Stories. Benny has about 2,000 pieces on that website. What do you think uh, of Javier? Javier, Javier, Javier Oist. I'm pronouncing it correctly? Yes. Javier Oist is prolific as well. And uh, very proud of that website. I'm not saying it just because I'm working there. But uh, it's a quality site. You know, they're not doing the uh, five thousand word raw reviews. That, you know, it's it's history. It's writing. It's journalism. It's uh, something special. And if you haven't checked it out, prowrestlingstories.com. And uh, yeah, man, we uh, put a lot of work into that site. So uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Excellent. And uh, Nikita Reshikov, the we mentioned the book at the top of the hour uh, when it was real. But um, I know you've also been very busy back and forth. What what uh, was the future hold for you here? Find me on Facebook. I post something every day, physically able. I post something about 
1970 to 83, that magic time when it was real. Now, the book doesn't cover the 80s. It stopped at 1979, but, and you can get it at crowbarpress.com, the Kindle versions on Amazon. Nobody's getting rich. But if you want to taste and feel what we felt back in the 70s, read that. You'll enjoy it. And hey, can, I, uh, can, can I plug Nikita's book for a second? Yes, Evan, yes. I read the book and I loved it. And I'll tell you why. Thank you. Because I was there the same era as Nikita, just like Benny. And you're seeing it from the perspective of, of a kid, like the awe and wonder of it all. Like these guys were larger than life. These guys, you know, I'm a skinny, I'm a skinny kid, and there's some, you know, there's Bobo Brazil, you know, just a mass of muscle and, you know, the awe and wonder of it all, Nikita captured it. And a lot of people have like a bombardment of information, but Nikita showed what it was for a blue collar, mostly marked crowd to sit there and just have the best nights of your life with your family. The thing that people don't, don't quite get is, you know, I, I sat at these shows with my dad and my dad's gone. So these were some of the best nights of my life. And mm -hmm. it's meaningful because of that. And Nikita's book really, really captures it. And, uh, you know, check it out. And, and there's a mountain of clips. If you like clips, it's a, it, I, I reviewed it. It's a, it, it, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. And I'm Thank not saying you. because we're on the show together and we're friends. Okay. Thank it's you. from the heart. It's really Thank from the heart. Yeah. I, I have to add my two cents because I, I bought the book and I absolutely love it. And for the same reason as Evan, anytime somebody can write something where it actually takes you back in time, and not only does it take you back in time and you remember these things, but you remember everything. You remember like maybe the girlfriend you had and you know, you're you're hanging out with your friends and all the good stuff that went along with that that particular point in time. That that's priceless. The girl that I was dating at the time, I took the wrestling, and it was like I said, if I'd have taken her to a strip joint, I would have done better. It was like I can't believe that. It's like you don't she, get it. She wasn't a keeper. You ain't gonna yeah. get it. I, I could stand on my head and piss green out of my ears. You ain't gonna get it. So <laughs> goodbye. That's it. I love I love Queen Victoria. She's a, she's yes. good person. Good person. I know. She got I know put over tonight, big time. Yes. Okay, so I can have a good dinner tonight. But for anything else, uh, stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm not done, not even close. And, and we we do a podcast as well, wrestling and everything, coast to coast. And Benny and Nikita have been on. Uh, Dan's avoided us like the plague, but you're always welcome. <laughs> and uh, that's basically it. That's basically it. And thank you, guys. It was a great show. Absolutely. Thank you so thank much. You. Uh, Evan Ginsberg, Nikita Brezhnikov for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. I'm Dan Spash Channel. Have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring. Good night.